In the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit. We can say some wonderful things. We have wonderful discussions. We feel very encouraged. You know, you come to confession. Hopefully you're honest enough to reveal your weaknesses. Hopefully you've chosen the spiritual father that will focus and encourage you on your strengths. Um, And then your strengths um, will eventually, um, as we said before in our first kind of coming together, it's, It can be very simple. Um, The environment even makes it easy. There's been a, you know, man has been creative in his thinking, in his philosophy. And like we said just now, why is there so many faiths and so many things and so many jobs? And why didn't God just make it simple? Why didn't he just make, why didn't he just have 12 tribes then, like he originally did? And you can just have a really easy, simple life, you know, it's kind of, like in a monastic living in a way that, well, you know, you do this and that's what you do for the rest of your life. And years ago, there was that kind of loyalty, I think, even to employment. Sometimes people did a job and it was their job from the beginning until the end, you know, what they called retirement. Um, Now man seems to be chaotic in the fact that um, we're not settled. We're not happy. We find it quite difficult, and we're always searching and searching and searching. Um, I don't know if we discussed it last week. I know we did Karate Kid, but the film, even Pinocchio, I can't remember if we discussed that, or Jungle Book, with um, to show us that, um, unfortunately, why we identify things with certain animals, the fear of a snake or a a mouse or a rat or a spider, these things. St. Baesios was embracing these animals because they didn't, humanity could not justify that kind of thing. They're dangerous, you know, there is dangerous spiders and dangerous snakes, diseases happen from the rats, but it's the way we're living really, it's not the animal's fault. And one of the The wrong way to understand a woman is to understand her as a deceiver. Because when there was Adam and Eve, Eve was not the deceiver. But we seem to make her the deceiver. A man seems to have this right, he thinks, to be able to then say that all problems are, you know, from women and men should be in charge because we know what we're doing and and it seems to be quite a, a dangerous thing. Um, and the good thing is, um, Jungle Book, you know, made it very um, evident that woman was not the deceiver, because there was even a song uh, made by the snake, and the snake hypnotized man, and the song was "Trust in Me." And you can see that what the, what she tried to do to Mowgli, what the snake tried to do to Mowgli was distract him um, and then give him another another version of what he should be doing. But he had to hypnotize him, so there was a distraction. They distracted him. It took him away off his course. 
but he did it not imposing himself on Mowgli. When was Mowgli able to be approached so that he could be deceived and then make this new friendship? Do you remember the film? Can't remember, but they were in the jungle. Yeah. I remember a snake. Yeah, his eyes was kind of spinning. He goes, trust in me. Really nice kind of, really lullaby. Trust in me. But why was Mowgli approachable then? The snake was always in the jungle. It was always this. and Because he was alone? Yeah, obviously it's easier. He was alone other times as well. I'm sure he couldn't do everything with everyone. Was he angry at that point? Yeah. He was angry. He was angry. He was scared. He totally detached himself. He left the others and said he doesn't need them. Man is no good alone, and we will never be alone. So what happens is that we have to maintain this, a relationship which is to our potential, to our good. So we would understand this to be with the church. Um, so Mowgli, when he detached himself from all the other people, the other animals or whatever, and then went into the forest by himself, really stomping and that, he was open for new friendships. He was open to be able to then accept someone else to justify his anger. Yeah, you're right, actually, because the snake was saying, trust in me, you know, they're no good, look what they've done to you, and blah, 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 and tried to make him his best friend. Um, so some of our decisions should never be made when we're angry and when we're detached from the thing that really... Um, has been part of us for a very long time. Um, sometimes we turn our back on parents, on relatives, especially the church, um, friendships, even marriages. Um, and we're not in the right frame of mind to make such a really big decision. Um, so the church gives us this structure, this reminder, you know, don't divorce, don't do this, you know, talk it through, forgiveness. Um, you know, why did you come together in the first place? Is the church really involved in these relationships? You know, I'm not saying that the church should be the matchmaker. I'm not saying that someone should come and find their bride or groom within the church. doesn't mean that the perfect within the church people are perfect. You know, it's a hospital. It's not like that. Um, but we seem to be driven by fear. So what do you think humanity is more scared of then? Because there's a great fear that's really allowing us to be um, spoken to by this something else to trust. We need to trust something, but what, what, what's the great, what's this fear then? What do you think the big fear is? The fear that separates us from God and makes us open to other things. Yeah. Um, well, one way you can look at it would be for those who are 
outside of the church, fear of, of God not existing for someone outside the church. If you're inside the church, it would be the fear of God not accepting you. Maybe you, you feel like you're a, a sinner and you will never be accepted by God. So it's, it's, there's two ways you could probably have fear. So what reality has to happen for us to meet our maker then? We seem to be very scared of death. Yeah. And why would death be the most scariest thing when really it's the most, it's the thing that frees us from, you know, this kind of punishment or this decision making or whatever it is and the possibility to be with her, you know, with God. And the martyrs didn't have fear and they were going to lose what they looked like, their lives. Um, he made it evident that death has no power because of the resurrection, so we know that, so we're not really scared of the resurrection. Yes, the idea, you're correct, does God really exist? I mean, that's quite a really big question. That's quite a hard one, really. To, if you live your whole life, does God really exist or doesn't exist? Then you probably don't live him to... Because all you have to do is... My style of with my spiritual children is that you have to have a, a memorable experience. You have to have a tangible experience that I can use to be able to bring you back to the reality of the purpose of life. I can't advise you on a theoretical life. I can't give you theory. Um, You'll have no empathy. The denial of Christ gave Peter great empathy for everybody else that he wouldn't have had if he didn't have that experience. The reminder that he did something that no one did at all. Um, Christ kind of showed him that you, this has been revealed to you by my father. Wow, you've gone beyond you know, me in a way. And this is not just my actions here and this and my image and stuff. You've actually been informed by my father. In other words, he had what in his life then? Peter. Yeah. Um, a, good, a good what life? Spiritual life. Which is what, though, spiritual life? Flying around with a sheet and holes in them so you can see where you're going. Um, and going, Ooh. A good relationship. Yeah, and how do you have that? What do we call that in the church? Love. Yeah, okay, yeah. No, he did. He genuinely did have that because he was obedient. But what to maintain the relationship, the dialogue of relationship, how do we, what is the dialogue of the church? What do, what do we call the dialogue? Dialogue of humanity and their God. Prayer. Yeah. So Peter had sincere prayer. That's why he was reminded to pray when difficult things were coming up. And because he never had that, 
He lost it a little bit on the sea as well. But he connected in prayer that he could be connected and be influenced by the Father. And he was told that this is my son, this is Christ, and this is me. Um, and he told that to everyone. And I give you the keys to heaven. Um, if he wasn't humbled in that way, when sometimes we think, why does God allow certain things, then this is not going to, you know, it makes him sound quite harsh. It is for our tangible, memorable experiences that will allow us to be saved, for example. So as a Christian, you'd never be scared of death. Um, apart from the idea it's the end and how are we going to be saved, you know, have I messed up or whatever. But, um, so how do we overcome that then? Well, it could be a matter of faith. For example, the context of the, the martyrs. Uh, the martyrs lived their whole life believing in God. And when it came to the kind of the fundamental point, am I willing to lose my life? Do I really believe what I believe? Their answer was yes. And that's what made them a saint. Um, so it's that kind of trust that God is there with you at all times. And at the point of death, it's not the end. I mean, like during Easter, the church is always reminding us in the services about Christ conquering death. Mm. And that should be kind of like stamped in our minds as a Christian. Uh, for me, it's always a, a really great reminder because it reminds me what the bigger picture is. <clears throat> so, obviously, that would give us courage to live because there's no death, even after what we would know is death. So, the relationship that we're meant to maintain, that we don't really seem to maintain, which obviously and we know it's with Christ, the church, and We've seen the resurrection because the saints, God is glorified in his saints. We know that the church is living, for example. So it's very encouraging, you know, because we ask them for things and they seem to work. You know, so they must be alive somewhere. I mean, it's a, it's a good thing. I mean, it's, it's quite encouraging to leave this world to see what the real world is like in a way, you know. So the bravery of those going into the wardrobe. In Narnia, for example, the wardrobe was in the world that was much smaller, that the wardrobe was holding a world that was much bigger than the world that the wardrobe was in. I mean, that's really weird. And the curiosity was always to go through the wardrobe into this other world. It was always curious. And sometimes when we lose people dear, we kind of can't wait to go or we think we're going to go. But deep down, we don't really want to leave this world. There is a fear. Um, the liturgy tells us, have no cares of this world, for we're about to receive the God of all invisibly escorted by the angelic hosts, um, giving us the idea of really um, the reality of what's really going to happen to this place. It's just going to become heavenly. 
Um, but there's a relationship we're not really maintaining that needs that will give us peace because that's the thing that we're here for. We're here to create peace, peace within us that you would understand in Buddhism and, and maybe their yogis and the people they visit and their meditations. It's about inner peace. Inner peace, we call that prayer. Peter was able to kind of connect and hear these messages because he had peace. Prayer put him in an environment of peace. Christ, in his example of his most tormenting part of his passion, he entered it with prayer. He, you know, he tackled everything with prayer. Um, he told his apostles, have peace before you can accept truth and reality. Um, there is a peacemaker that we hardly, hardly, I would say only 2% of orthodoxy makes peace with. Holy Spirit. Well, hopefully that is peace, but no. It's a relationship. So only 2%. I would say, yeah. Make peace with this person? Is that a person? Well, it's a, yeah, it's a relationship. It's from birth to death, you know, it's really... From receiving to returning, really, it's kind of... I can't say what it does, because then that's kind of obvious then. There might be people shouting at their, at their things, the answer. It's not a catchphrase, but say what you hear, instead of say what you see. Something that will give us inner peace is something that... If there's chaos, then there's something, even in your classroom, if there's students arguing, you will come and say, and you will say, well, hey, 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 calm down, let's see what's, what's going on here. What's, you're the peacemaker, so who's the peacemaker in our lives? A reality of a resource that we're kind of ignoring. How can we feel abandoned? How do we have the courage to be deceived? to be deceitful, to be kind of tempted. Where does that courage come from? Something's missing. You know, if I've got a child and the parent's right in front of it, he won't normally do the things that we would say they probably wouldn't have been told not to do because someone's watching them. Now, as soon as the parent turns their back, that child can do whatever they want. That could be at school, that could be at somewhere else, or... But the child still has them in their mind. You know, they we would call that maybe a rule or whatever, or it could be out of the relationship, love, respect, trust, blah, 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 blah. So what is the thing that we ignore? Because God doesn't turn his back on us, so we can't say that. But there would be something that would turn... They can't be with us when we're in that environment. Parents? No, because not everyone has one. They could be born of parents, but they don't necessarily always have them. So the 
peace make between two people? Well, this is even within ourselves, really. Because we talk to ourselves. I mean, when you talk to yourself, even now you're talking to yourself, you're thinking, who are you thinking with? Who are you talking to? I mean, it's a bit weird if you think you're literally just talking to what? Your bones, your arms, your legs, your teeth, your eyes, your hair. I mean, who, what are you talking to? Where's the ideas going to come from? Where, you know, what is this? Yeah, the mind's open to temptation, bless it. But um, Pinocchio had one. Yeah, I mean, that's where God dwells, hopefully. But the Pinocchio had one because he was wooden. He had one externally. But And he kind of pushed him away and when he was doing the things he shouldn't be doing. Conscience, yeah, but, yeah, but what is the cricket, what is the conscience for us? What protects us? Because he shoved away Jiminy Cricket to do every the things that he shouldn't be doing. He was being told all the time, constantly, constantly. And Jimmy Cricket had to leave him. He had to let him get on with it. He tried... Guardian angel. Bravo. Our guardian angel. You know when we've got the guardian angel really with us, we're connected to our guardian angel. It's very hard for temptation to penetrate us. It's, it's very hard for temptation to penetrate us. Um, when we're already in this angry mode and we haven't got peace and we're doing things and we're not listening to our conscience, our gut instincts, our heavenly holy instincts or whatever you know, we would like to describe them and stuff. In other words, we don't have reflection. We don't bring ourselves back to holiness, which is what the fathers talk about in noetic prayer. Um, then we're really open to a lot of suggestion, really. Um, and we're free to be embodied by temptation. Temptation totally takes over and just uses us. So how, how, do, how can you build a relationship with, if that's the right word, with your guardian angel? Remember, you have one. There's prayers that the church has for that relationship. Um, remember them in our prayers, you know, in ourselves, you know, we don't, um, um, it's an individual angelic being that doesn't belong to anyone else but us. So we don't have to wait in a queue. Imagine waiting in a queue for St. George to help you. Um, everybody loves St. George. I mean, there's every nation. I mean, there's too many... Even the, even Islam has respect for St. George. I mean, when are you ever going to get to see St. George? You know, your ticket number is going to probably be like in thousands. Your guardian angel is only yours. No one else can ask your guardian angel to do something for them. Um, so it's to have inner peace, and inner peace is to have this relationship with this angelic being that is a guardian of your soul that will be responsible and... I suppose it's the wrong word to use proud and how sad it would be, but it would take your soul through what they, you know, no one knows the mystery of death, but the toll houses or this or stick by you or protect you when the demons are trying to grab you. It will be protecting you in their wings. Um, 
He can hold on to you however we want to think of it. Um, there's way in some, you know, it's just those kind of finger grips, you know, you can hold on with your, you know, I think we say it's just um, by the inch of your nails or something. We say, you know, you hold on, or, you know, there was that grip, you know, you're lucky you. So it's just by the. Um, so you will see that really the. All these realities without a spiritual father, without um, the church, it's really, make, it's really hard to make sense of what you're here for. Um, and the bonding thing of those kind of fragments of um, salvation is the liturgy. Um, the liturgy kind of goes through all those doubts, gives us the encouragement, and gives us heaven, and gives us God. Whoa, that's in one service. That's one service that takes 45 minutes. We're not talking about matins, liturgy, slow chanting, elaborate singing. We're not talking about 40 days of Easter, 40 days of uh, um, post-Easter. That's 80 days. We're talking about 45 minutes. 45 minutes once a week will encourage you to be alive. What a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful thing. So isn't really our purpose to understand the liturgy? Really? Shouldn't our efforts be made in understanding the liturgy? And could be even the purpose of sometimes even learning Greek. I know it sounds kind of nationalist because we both seem to be, well, we're both Greek in heritage, but um, we're talking about the international language of Scripture, really. That's what we're talking about. We're not talking about the language of Christ. We're talking about the international language of Scripture. And it's... Um, because you were talking about before the it's lost in translation. So the the reality is we're scared of death, and really what we're scared of is losing um, our naughtiness, being naughty, and wanting to still stay in this world. And there is only another, there's only one more, there's only another, one more other creation that is exactly the same as that, which is shaking your head, the viewers can't see. <laughs> um, I'm not too sure. So the only of creation that's the same as that. Yeah, there's something else that's been created that's exactly that. That wants to hold on to... Uh, the fear the fear of, you know, holding on to this and doesn't have this courage to... of, you know, the message, in other words, uh, the hope. The demons? Yeah, the devil himself, yeah. He's the only one that really shouldn't... Well, he, I know he doesn't want God to come again. 
the second final coming of Christ. We have to say final because it's not going to be coming and going. It's the end as we know it in that way. So, um, and because we all go at different times, it's you know. But it's it's really rare that someone would say, "I want to stay on the earth so that I can be saved." It is because I want to do as much as I can before I start thinking about how I'm going to be saved and you know repent and go to church and that's why they say church is for old people. They think it's just something you do when you, you know, you're really old and you've lived your life and let's start going back and saying sorry. And, and But as you can see, it's not just old people that are in the church and it's not just old people that are dying. Um, and there has to be a reason. There has to be a reason why, you know, this truth still exists. Why not just keep it for a couple of people? The beautiful thing that you said about the icon of Christ was the people that have embraced Christ are the icon of Christ. That truth, whoever's expected the truth, is not an institutional corporate image. Um, Christianity really, yes, is kind of... has a lot to answer for in its institutional life, but it's, it's because it's persecuted. It's a persecuted. Um, it's a persecuted um, belief that then becomes has formulated itself into something that we would say then can be open um, to abuse, um, and it's the devil's playground. Um, he loves it. He's gathering us up really and just playing with us. He's not the good shepherd. Unfortunately, he's the hireling. And he will he will leave us as soon as Christ comes again. Um, and even when temptation comes, they're not there to support us or encourage us or to do anything there. Just leave us to be abused. So until we remind ourselves that death is not the end, that is coming, um, then hopefully we will have the courage to live, which means that we understand that the style of life we want to have eternally, um, and that's the life that allows us to maintain the relationship with our guardian angel. He never leaves our side. This is what we would call a holy life. Um, Thank you, Father.